Welcome, everyone, to the eighth episode of Only Murderers in the Writer's Room. I'll be your host, Danny Pivac, and this might just be my most daring project yet. For the next few weeks, these next few episodes will roll around a single movie I plan to rejuvenate. That movie, being a sequel to a once popular film series, goes by the name of Batman Triumphant. Originally planned to be the darker sequel to 1997's Batman and Robin, production never took off because of its predecessor's residuals. However, I decided to change that and instead make Batman Triumphant, originally titled Batman Unchained, into my own little miniseries. With only an hour to talk, this miniseries will be five episodes long, which works to my benefit because when you think about it, I'm basically setting each episode up as a stage of a story. Episode 1 will be my exposition stage. Episode 2 will be my rising action stage. Episode 3 will be my climax stage. Episode 4 will be my falling action stage. And episode 5 will be my resolution stage. Now, just a heads up, I'm also planning to combine this Forsaken installment storyline with another one. If anyone knows of or has seen the 2002 cruelly short-lived series titled Birds of Prey, one would know that the movie is loosely connected to the first two Batman movies, i.e. Batman 89 and Batman Returns. Fortunately, after some crucial thinking and predicting, I came up with a connection. Sometime after Batman and Robin, Alicia Silverstone's character, Barbara Wilson, passed the torch of Batgirl over to Dinah Myers, Barbara Gordon. Only during the years uh, Batman wasn't seen, aka the years no movies came out, which include 1993, excluding the unofficial canonical animated movie Mask of the Phantasm, and then 1994 and 1996, we are to assume that between those times and that timeline, Batman began rekindling his relationship with Catwoman, a.k.a. Selina Kyle. Just after 1998, they must have had a child. That child grew up to become Helena Kyle. Since actress Ashley Scott portrayed Helena at 25 during the Birds of Prey series, the series itself most likely would have taken place in 2024, meaning Barbara Gordon would have been born would have been born mourn, would have been born 1990, since her actress Diana Meyer portrayed her at 34. Also, meaning Barbara would have been 14 when Batman died, or at least when I wrote him out to die. I specifically mentioned in my previous episode that I would have chosen Dick Grayson's Batman, who kicked the can. I decided against that, and instead, the true Batman who disappears in my story is Bruce Wayne. Anyways, after Bruce's death, Dick and Barbara began fighting off Batman's greatest enemies. Unfortunately, it didn't last too long, since Barbara got paralyzed by a gunshot caused by Scarecrow who would have been played by Nick Cage. Though in the series and also comics, it was revealed to be the Joker who fatally wounded Barbara. I thought an even more efficient way to connect both the movies 
and show a storyline would be to have Scarecrow douse Barbara with his fear intoxicating gas and for Barbara to hallucinate that she saw the Joker paralyze her. If some of you are confused, I shouldn't let you all know that there was an old draft of Batman Triumphant and or Unchained, however you like to call it, that was written by Mark Protosevich. Actually, sorry, I think it's Protosevich. Yeah, Protosevich. Sorry, the mispronunciation. If anyone knows how to pronounce it better, please let me know, but I think that's the correct one, uh, correct way. Uh, anyways, in that old draft, the villain Scarecrow was originally supposed to be introduced in 1997's Batman and Robin, with Nick Cage returning to the role for a presumed fifth installment. Anyways, Batman and Catwoman had a daughter, who eventually was raised by Batman's butler Alfred Pennyworth and Batgirl. When she became an adult, daughter Helena decided to become a vigilante, with Batgirl becoming an all-new superhero, the tech whiz Oracle, like in the comics. The two then teamed up with the daughter of superhero Black Canary, a.k.a. Dinah Redman Lance. The three, beca- the, three became, not become, the three became a team called the Birds of Prey. Now, for some of you hysterically guessing which actors play which specific parts, I decided to recast Catwoman with actress Baby Newworth. Much like the James Bond movies, with a different Bond comes a different actor. Also, I give much love to Michelle Pfeiffer for her portrayal in Bat- 1992's Batman Returns. It was truly wonderful. I was really entertained, and I love the actress in general in almost all of her works, other works included. But I also think that actress B.B. Newworth could have done as great a job performing the character, or portraying at least, because if anyone has seen the early 90s sitcom Frasier, you would know she excellently plays the title character's ex-wife, from her range of motions going from sarcastically serious to cynically comedic, she somewhat reminds me of Lee Merriweather, another actress who nailed the portrayal of the Catwoman. As for Batman, I decided to keep actor George Clooney in the reins, because I know the man can handle drama well. If anyone has seen the show Grey's Anatomy, which I'm sure many Gen Z have already been hooked on, judging by the crowd of attendees I saw at Wolf's Trivia Night a few weeks ago, they would know George Clooney, or at least you would understand, that George Clooney was the Meredith Grey of another medical show titled ER. Same for actress Chris O'Donnell and Elisa Silverstone. Both can perform well in dramatic scenarios and stories. Basically, what you can expect is most of the cast from the previous installment most likely returning. If it helps, putting a different face to a different name, comment, question, or concern it through me at my Instagram, denny.pivach. That's T-E-N-I, a literal dot, P-I-V-A-C. With such little time to spare, let's begin at the exposition stage of Batman Triumphant. The movie begins by showing the classic 90s Warner Bros. logo, except it no longer dons the same gold-blue themed coloring. Instead, the logo resembles a black diamond. It's dark, but glistening. All of a sudden, the logo shapeshifts into a batarang, Batman's bat-shaped technological boomerang. 
The battering swoops off the screen, and the audience suddenly becomes the object itself. In a POV, in a POV shot, we fly over Batman's hometown, Gotham City. We do not know where the battering is exactly headed, but we do know, or we can at least see, that Gotham has gone down significantly since the last movie. Some skyscrapers and buildings are shown to be dilapidated, many streets are polluted with trash and whatnot, and people are scrambling from each and every direction. As for the battering, it slowly begins to land in an alleyway, puncturing a trash can. A few muggers are startled by the noise the battering makes, but then continue on with mugging a young lady. However, one separate mugger decides to do some inspecting. He hears a piercing beeping-like noise and then puts his ear close up to the trash can. He then realizes what is about to happen, spirals around, and yells, Fire in the... Kaboom! It turns out the battering was quite an explosive distraction, and who is to appear shortly after but Batgirl herself. Only it is no longer Alicia Silverstone from Batman and Robin, or Dinah Meyer from 2002's cruelly, once again I say, short-lived series Birds of Prey, but rather Ashley Scott, who played, and will be playing here, Helena Kyle, a.k.a. Huntress. This is to imply the movie begins with a flash forward in the now literal, not-too-distant year 2024. Donning Batgirl's suit from the Birds of Prey series, she starts kicking butt. The first mother tries to whack Helena with a short metal pipe. She grabs the mugger's hand, the one holding the pipe, and then spins his arm around his neck, only to twirl him onto the concrete ground. The next mugger tries to scare her with a switchblade. Helena and the mugger go round in circles until she realizes she's under a fixed ladder, the ones attached to apartment buildings. She lunges for the ladder, just barely dodging the mugger, who finally decides to lunge at her with his switchblade. The mugger slams into a brick wall, but then right after starts flailing his arms. Helena then spins around the ladder and thrusts herself enough to do a double leg kick, knocking out the switchblade mugger permanently. As Batgirl lands on her feet, she notices two more muggers approaching. These last two have guns. Fortunately, Batgirl presses some buttons on her glove and her shark fin-shaped razors that are usually attached to the Batsuit gloves go flying everywhere. There are six of them, with the first two each making a thin cut on the fingers of the muggers, causing them to drop their guns. The next two explode and blind the muggers. The final two do a somewhat zigzagging formation and divert the muggers enough that they end up knocking each other out with a single punch. As Batgirl walks through and examines her successful triumph, she runs over to check on the young lady who is being mugged. The young lady thanks Batgirl, and Batgirl replies with, Anytime, stay safe. The young lady replies, With heroes like you, I know I will always be. Batgirl seems startled by the way the young lady phrased her sentence, but shakes it off, and then pulls out her grappling gun. She fires a grappling a hook rope onto a ledge of a building and swings off into the night sky. Meanwhile, at Batgirl's headquarters, which is at the top of Gotham's Grand Clock Tower, we see actress Diana Meyer as Barbara Gordon looking over some old files on the second floor's computer room. The first one she clicks on shows crime scene photos of Batman and Catwoman's murder.
She looks intensely at the photos as if she's trying to solve some kind of mystery. Before she can click on the second file, Barbara hears the sound of wings flapping. She looks up to see the roof's pyramid-shaped uh, window split open. As the moon shines down on her face, it is immediately covered up as Barbara sees Batgirl's wings spread wide. As Helena descends safely down to the center of the living room, Barbara turns off the computer and rolls down to greet Helena. Helena seems frustrated and aggravatingly rips her cowl off. It is revealed that the hair that was seen earlier penetrating the cowl was not a headpiece or fake, but rather Helena's actual hair. She has now grown it, but now looks drenched, most likely due to the sweat from both the work and the dampness Gotham naturally provides. As Barbara slash Oracle is about to ask Helena how was her outing, Helena budges in asking if there have been any recent sightings or updates on their newest recurring threat, Anarchy. Anarchy, a villain well known throughout DC Comics, is inserted into this story because a character I plan to introduce in the flashback portions of this installment just so happens to be revealed as the chaotic one himself. Oracle, unfortunately, tells Helena that anarchy is nowhere to be seen or heard of. Growing increasingly upset, she angrily walks away to the training room. Though, the size of a, though, though it is the size of a measly basement, there is enough equipment and space to tire oneself out. Helena can be seen using a jagged punching bag. It is implied that the bag is full of concrete bricks. And, with Helena punching at full force with her bare knuckles, the edges of her knuckles begin to crack, split, and bleed red. Using her futuristically electrical wheelchair, Oracle speeds up towards Helena and grabs her knuckle fast enough before she can lay another punch. Helena is at first resistant, trying to shake Oracle off. Unfortunately, she begins to tire out, eventually dropping her arm. The two engage in an argument that lasts for a few minutes. As Oracle tries to calm Helena down, she explains to her that someone's death was not her fault. The implication is that that particular someone had quite a strong bond with Helena. However, it isn't her biological parents that Oracle was specifically referencing to. Helena then begins to cry, collapsing into Oracle's arms. The two hug each other tightly as if cradling one another. We then are surprised to hear a narration segment done by Oracle. As we zoom out from the clock tower's training room, we can see that we are transferring to our first flashback. Oracle begins to tell the story of what happened just before everything went wrong. It's November 17, 2004, and we see, standing atop a building, is Clooney's Batman, Donald's Robin, Silverstone's Batgirl, and Newworth's Catwoman. The four are examining a blimp slowly heading towards Gotham's Grand Clock Tower, with the blimp approaching Gotham's docks and the gang being in the center of the route between Gotham's Clock Tower and its docks. They decide to split up. Sorry that it seemed confusing, or it sounded confusing. Robin and Catwoman head off to warn civilians about the oncoming danger, while Batman and Batgirl head off to try and stop the blimp. Catwoman hitches a ride with Robin on his motorcycle, and the two go speeding off to Gotham Central Square. As the motorcycle performs evasive maneuvering due to the hectic traffic, Catwoman somewhat helps out by grabbing for Robin's hands and twisting the motorcycle handles onto a hard right. 
The cycle rides up a car, eventually launching over it, and then flying over others. As the two ride atop cars, like big road bumps, Robin notices the time and tells Catwoman that he knows when the blimp plans to collide with the clock tower. It isn't revealed to us yet, or at least seen, but it's a reference to uh, Scarecrow's MO or like motto, which is being Halloween-esque. Basically, he plans to detonate the blimp at around 1031, which is, you know, 1031, October 31st, Halloween. Anyways, it is not aware to us until we cut back to find Batman and Batgirl on the blimp. That's when I originally planned to reveal it, that either Batman or Batgirl would have revealed it. But anyways, as they observe the blimp's main control panel, Batgirl hears an echoey piercing shriek, like when a fork rubs against the porcelain plate. She slowly turns around. Sorry, I thought... <laughs> I felt something tickling me. I thought it was a spider. Sorry. Anyways, uh, where was I? Yep, so, uh, Batgirl slowly turns around and sees, walking slowly out of a darkened hallway, Scarecrow sliding down. <laughs> Not sliding down. God. Mm. She sees Scarecrow sliding his scythe against a metal wall. Batman looks behind, determined to take Scarecrow out, but Batgirl tells him that she'll take care of him. As she runs at Scarecrow, Scarecrow begins to run at Batgirl. He makes the first move, slashing his scythe diagonally. Batgirl quickly goes down on her knees and slides, dodging the slash. As she spins around, she sees Scarecrow aiming for Batman. She grabs some pellet-like balls from her utility belt and throws them onto the ground. Scarecrow is distracted long enough for the balls to blow up with a flash of a bright light encompassing the entire room. For a good while, both fighters are blinded, but Batgirl is able to rem remember the switch to her attachable sun shield visors. In an extreme close-up, we can see the eye sockets of the Batcowl, hers specifically, sliding down from them are these blue-looking lenses. With her vision somewhat recuperated, Batgirl is able to detect Scarecrow. As she observes both him and Batman, Batgirl notices Scarecrow flailing his arms. She also notices the direction Scarecrow is heading is straight for the electrical panel. Batgirl realizes that if he slashes the electrical panel, not only will he kill himself, but the whole blimp will power down and collapse onto, the Gotham, onto Gotham's shores, floating its water in, in its entirety. Fortunately, in a warped way, Scarecrow regains his vision fast enough to notice Batgirl about to pummel him, which also evades from, you know, any short-circuiting. He dodges her tackle and then slashes at her feet as Batgirl begins to slowly crawl back. Though he could have just as easily killed her, Scarecrow prefers to taunt Batgirl as his scythe slashes and rubs against the freezing cold metal floor and I don't know exactly how this sounds, but like I want to build some kind of dramatic effect, so I'm going to try to do my impersonation of that happening. So like metal being rubbed against, you know, metal. So like, I don't know how to be like, I have no idea, like, I'm, like, so, I'm recording this so late right now, and, like, I think I talked a lot, so now my voice is getting ever so slightly, I don't even know if this is the right word to use, I'm, like, so off my game right now, but, like, groggy, so, like, it's kind of, almost, like, not like I have a frog in my throat, but it's, like, bad, you know, so, I'm not sure if that's the best sound effect I could make, but anyways, um, 
the metal against metal rubbing causes little sparks to fly. Batgirl then tries to think of an escape. She then remembers her grappling gun and fires it between Scarecrow's legs. Reminiscent of Cage's quirky 90s mannerism, Scarecrow giggles and then says, You missed me, you missed me, now you're starting to piss me. Before he can lay his final blow, Batgirl lets go of her gun, causing the retractability mechanism to go off. The gun's handle goes flying into Scarecrow's shin, rapidly pulling to the front of the rapidly pulling him to the front of the Blim's control room and straight to the back. As Batgirl gets up, Batman decides to tap in. He explains to Batgirl that he got thirty-five percent of the Blim's control, but Batgirl has to finish the rest of the hacking since she is the most since she is the most clever, as seen in Batman and Robin. As Batman chases after the Scarecrow, Batgirl looks behind, unaware that it would be the last time she would see Bruce. We get a close-up of Alicia Silverstone's face under the cowl, and it looks innocently sweet. We then cut to a long shot of Batman running in slow motion with his cape, flapping heroically. After that, we cut back to Robin and Catwoman. As they arrive in the center of Gotham Central Square, Robin attaches a tiny gadget on his neck. Resembling a current Bluetooth earpiece, Robin begins to talk. His voice is now amplified, and he's warning, and he's trying to warn, or at least it seems like he's warning all the civilians to evacuate. Catwoman sees people scrambling everywhere. However, with her six senses amplified even more, she's able to sense civilians atop Gotham's grand clock tower. With Robin distracted, uh, warning others, Catwoman sneaks off to save them. Using her whip, she swings and lunges higher and higher to the top. She finally makes it to the top and spots all the civilians. She also spots the blimp, which is now only a few kilometers away. Using her whip and some construction equipment left behind, she makes a lengthily strong line of rope that leads diagonally down to another building. Meanwhile, Batgirl has finally hacked enough to get back full control of the blimp and evade the clock tower. As she makes a hard turn, civilians go ziplining from the clock tower to the other building. Catwoman notices some string hang off the, hanging off the bottom of the blimp, becoming more entranced with it. You know, as they say, curiosity kills the cat. It, the piece of string or rope flies hard enough to wrap around her leg and pull her off the roof. Now, Catwoman is just dangling high above Gotham City, and Robin finally notices her. We then see him begin to rapidly, ta- rapidly type on his gloves. His motorcycle suddenly transforms into a hovercraft with the wheels serving as booster propellers and the seat now a control pad. Robin goes hovering off to the blimp. We cut back to Batman chasing after Scarecrow. He's now atop the blimp, trying to balance himself as Batgirl's roughly as Batgirl roughly maneuvers through Gotham. He can sense the Scarecrow, but he can't see him. Before he has enough time to dodge, Scarecrow wakes Batman in the head with the bottom wounded end of his scythe. Well, 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 Dorothy Gale didn't expect you in these neck of the woods again. I mean, your Tin Man, oops, my mistake, Steel Man got busted up pretty good, and your uh, cowardly pussy, shall we say, got declawed. Uh And yet you still stand without a bucket of water or a crashing house so tell me oh fair one which one of us goes next 
what Scarecrow suddenly mentioning the defeat, or I guess not mentioning, but hinting rather, the defeat of Christopher Reeve's Superman and Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, we can see even more clear his look. He wears something atop his head that looks like a mix between a fedora and top hat, and it's colored muddy brown. He also wears a black trench coat over a black unitard. However, the trench coat is shredded at the bottom, giving a grim reaper vibe. His final pieces of attire include a scarecrow-esque mask. It has a bunch of holes where eye sockets should be, but it instead resembles the shape of a button, much like an actual scarecrow would be attached with. The mouthpiece is just a bunch of stitches that extend up and down every time Scarecrow speaks, though his own mouth is not actually stitched. Not yet, anyways. He also wears black rain boots, looking like a farmer getting ready for their slaughterhouse. We now continue on with the showdown, with Batman replying to Scarecrow, You know, Crane, I could have looked past at what happened to Dr. Quinzel, or what you did to GCPD. But you just had to go after something you really shouldn't have. Scarecrow looks maniacally curious and asks, Oh yeah, and what's that? Me. Scarecrow spirals around, laying out a quick gasp, as immediately cut as Catwoman swings and lunges at Crane. As she pushes Scarecrow aside, Catwoman does a quick somersault to get herself back on her feet. Scarecrow realizes he is slowly becoming outmatched and decides the only way to end it is to truly... And it. As Batgirl programs the blimp to elevate and self-destruct, Robin arrives to pick her up. As we quickly zoom in, we can see from behind Batgirl crash through the front window and lunge for Robin's hand. Robin successfully catches her, and the two begin the rescue for Batman and Catwoman. Unfortunately, they are too late. Scarecrow throws his scythe into one of the blimp's propellers, causing the blimp to explode. The vibration of the explosion causes Robin's hovercraft to go off course, with it crashing into another building. Robin wakes up days later to discover himself back at Wayne Manor. As he looks around, he seems to be a little bit off his game. <sighs> and this is where my script ends, because I'm reading like an anchorman, almost like a... What are those called? Is it Proctor or Prompter? I'm not sure what those exactly are called, but like, basically I'm reading off words right now. I'm just going to wing it and try to think of something that he would do. So Robin <laughs> basically wakes up and now he's kind of jostled and he looks around Wayne Manor. He then goes to the Batcave and discovers a Batgirl, or aka Lisa Silverstone's Batgirl, Barbara Wilson, uh, as she uh, wraps her Batgirl costume up into a box. And as Robin goes down, uh, he examines the Batcave and notices there have been a few minor adjustments, a few minor changes to the area. Uh, he then confronts Barbara about what's going on, and she explains that she's uh, officially leaving because she can no longer uh, take the stress and the... Um, overwhelming responsibility and like the over the overall i guess the best way to express this i guess like she uh can't really handle being a vigilante because like a hero is one thing but what she's been doing with george clooney's batman specifically and chris o'donnell's robin is vigilantism and it's just really too much for her especially after what scarecrow did so she decides to leave 
And as Batgirl leaves, Robin notices that she left uh, a file like on Batman's computer and basically the file. And it's not revealed specifically and it's not exactly hinted if it's Batman's or if it was Barbara slash Batgirl who did this. But there's a file that reads potential replacements and basically it's a bunch of teenagers who are seemingly going to take up the mantle as Batgirl uh and then Barbara gives uh, a dick slash Robin a kiss goodbye and then leaves uh riding off into the sunset-ish view from Wayne Manor and uh goes uh back to Gotham just to drop off um a suit. It's not revealed until later on that it's Barbara Gordon who becomes Batgirl. But anyways, Robin looks and then he picks like one of the names that were highlighted and it says reads Barbara Gordon. And as we see her like profile picture, basically I think it would either be something that Barbara obtained, like Barbara Wilson obtained from social media or something, or maybe not even social media, probably like um, passport picture. Uh, we f- trans transform transform transform. We transform from the picture into real life with showing Barbara being um, visited by Barbara Wilson. So Gordon and Wilson they meet, and uh, she explains what what happened, how has it been, and like what her relationship with Batman and her father was, and then like you know the whole shaban, and basically she hands off the bat suit to Batgirl or the new Batgirl. And this suit has much of a difference between the suits shown in Batgirl, not Batgirl, but Batman, the Birds of Prey series and Batman and Robin. Because if anyone has seen the um, Birds of Prey series, they'll know that the Batgirl suit there is much more closer to the comics, or at least the comics that were released then, than it was, than the Batgirl suit was to the comics released in the 90s. Because in the 90s, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think her, like, final alteration or altercation was that the Batgirl suit basically had this, like, large silver uh, bat emblem on her chest piece, and it was just completely black, but, like, kind of, it gives, like, a metallic feeling, whereas with uh, Barbara Gordon's new suit, it's basically entirely, I think spandex or latex and with or like rubber and um it has uh rather than a silver uh bat emblem it's actually a kind of yellowish but like smaller bat emblem so like i would say probably that this isn't actually i would think maybe that i'd rather have the emblems be like detachable instead because that way it makes more sense like if, like, Barbara wanted to change the design, like, Gordon, if Barbara Gordon wanted to change the design of her bat suit, she could just easily take off the bat emblem and replace it with something else, like, something, I guess, more flashy. Um, which, I guess, wouldn't make sense story-wise for a vigilante, but maybe she just needs a little bit of light in her life, you know, to continue on, you know, living, because she may feel, like, a little bit depressed or overwhelmed, you know, becoming a vigilante and all, but, you know, whatever. So, after that... Uh, uh, after Barbara, <laughs> we do another tra- transformation uh, again with, uh, Barbara, uh, opening the box that Barbara Wilson, Lisa Silverstone's character had 
wrapped originally, and uh, we transfer from the folded up bat suit to Barbara wearing the bat suit, the bat suit, the bat girl suit, and uh, we see her and Dick together as uh, the new Batman and the new Batgirl. And as they, uh, we see them swinging through Gotham City, we can see that it's slowly starting to deteriorate to the same city that we saw in the opening of the movie. And so as they're swinging, they start, like, talking and, like, trying... And Barbara's trying to, like, get something off of uh, Dick, like, I guess since what, ever since what happened to... Like, you know, Bruce and Selena during this during Scarecrow's reign, he's been much more um like kept to himself and uh less involved. So like he doesn't wanna um, like uh become too close with someone or like start a relationship because you know like he's worried he might lose them or whatnot. And um and so in one moment they're swinging and they're like, you know, seemingly not having a great time. But um after doing some vigilantism, uh, I don't know with who specifically, maybe like uh, some like C-list or like D-list, I don't know, henchmen or like uh, villain gang from like the comics. I haven't chosen who yet specifically, maybe like um, maybe maybe the powerless version of um, of the Royal Flesh Gang. You know, if anyone knows who those are, like they're... In, the comics and shows they have powers, but I'm thinking like maybe they're just heisters, but they go by the name Royal Flesh Gang because they wear like uh unitards or like spandex with like the card their their like their card's name or like their codename plastered over their, you know, costumes. I don't know, it's like calling card, whatever. But um so yeah, anyways, they get they get for lack of a better term, so worked up over vigilantism that they decide to um go to bed if uh if that is if that's like the most appropriate way to put it but anyways yeah actually i guess a more more uh appropriate not appropriate but like more um respectable way would be to make love i don't know make love yes so basically because if anyone has read the comics or knows of any other media or stories batgirl and Robin, aka Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson, uh, usually are the ones who hook up and they have like a relationship that's like extensive, like throughout the comics and whatnot, and it's like a whole history or whatever. So, anyways, they hook up, and then, and then uh, this is like this is taking place around the same time when Barbara joins. So, like, I would say like maybe between the time that Bruce died, which was two thousand four, and then between the time that they uh, hook up uh, Dick and Barbara. I would say like maybe this is like a, a year, maybe maybe or two, maybe two years probably. Maybe that's a little bit better. Um, not quite sure. Maybe two years, I would say. But anyways, yeah. So uh, they hook up and then a year after that, but we, we aren't like, you know, given each and every time a year, a year. We're just kind of like, it's implied, you know? So like either we see them like in like, I don't know, maybe some makeup is done, I don't know if you can even do that, maybe clothing is done, maybe, like, I don't know, some kind of tone shift, maybe lighting or whatever, but anyway, so, like, after that transition, we go to another transition, where we see, uh, now, uh, Barbara and Dick have officially moved in together, so this has got to be maybe a few more years, maybe, like, five years or something like that, and, uh, Barbara's home alone, and she hears a knock at the door, 
Actually, no, actually, maybe I shouldn't start with that, because, like, the build dispense. I would rather maybe she's, like, uh, coming back from, like, her day job, and then uh, she's just doing, like, her, like, regular things. Like, she's either, um, you know, uh, maybe doing some training, or she's maybe um, taking a shower. I think maybe it was actually taking a shower that this happened, because, um, oh, no. Probably, probably I'd do this, actually. She probably comes back home, maybe does some training, cooks something for herself, probably, or maybe for Dick. And then it's, like, smelly that she decides to, like, cl- uh, clean her hair. And then as she's cleaning, because this is the moment, in at least in the show, that they show this happening. Uh, as she exits the shower, she hears a knock on the door. She goes to answer it, and in the series, she opens it, and she sees that the Joker is pointing a gun at her and then shoots her and then paralyzes her. And now, like I said before, I actually wanted the scarecrow to do this. So what I was thinking is she actually gets um, sprayed with the fear intoxicating gas, that um, fear-inducing gas that scarecrow is uh, famously known for using on many of his victims. And because of the gas, uh, Barbara starts to hallucinate that the Joker is conf- she's confronting the Joker, and the Joker paralyzes her, so that's, like, why we believe it to be the Joker that, not in a sense killed her, but, you know, defeated her, but she doesn't know, neither does Dick know, that Scarecrow was actually the one to do this, it's not revealed till later on, um, but yeah, so anyway, so she gets shot, and, um, and what could happen after then? Probably... Maybe I then we do probably probably there would be another probably there would be also another transition. Maybe this would be kind of like um, like those like almost nineties cliche like what would you call like um recaps or not nineties cliche like if anyone's seen the movie Disney's Up that like almost the beginning of the movie I'm not sure maybe if it's the beginning of the movie but like the scene where they're introducing the old man uh, I think his name is Ed and like how uh he like how his life started and then how it ended like you know like it was like a recap it was like really great moments and then became really sad so it's like kind of like that we would have and then the really sad moment would be heavily focused on like that girl or slash bat barbara's recovery and uh we see like she's now kind of broken from being you know destroyed I mean, not destroyed but like you know disabled so uh after that Robin kind of goes dark and then eventually disappears completely from um, Barbara's life. And uh, now she's like all alone uh, until she um, discovers that uh, Batgirl, not Batgirl, I don't know why I said this, not Batgirl actually. Actually, she's not the story, actually. No, they would, they would have revealed this beforehand. Um, I would say... Huh. Oh, I would say actually, I don't know if this retcons anything because I I also tend to forget from the series too. But I would say that after Alfred dies, he passes away, and then he gives and then he gives um Barbara the responsibility of taking care of Helena Kyle, Batman and Catwoman's daughter, and then um 
because we see for a while, like Batgirl all broken, she then is rejuvenated, like her spirit is rejuvenated because of Helena. So like she slowly begins to train and like both see each other as like an idol. So like Batgirl sees her as the next, you know, vigilante, next greatest vigilante, and then Helena sees her as like the greatest vigilante, like the classic, you know, because she didn't grow up with like Batman, nor does she know much about him. All she knows is that like she's seen Batgirl in action and she known Batgirl for quite some time. So like they're both analyzing one another. And um, then we see, like, as they grow up, like, Batgirl, she's, like, probably, in her, maybe I would say late tw- late 20s, maybe minute, actually 20s, when she's training Helena. And, like, Helena is, like, maybe we're, like, teens. So she's, like, they're training each other, and they're fighting, and they're, like, um, they're doing all kinds of, like, I guess gymnastics and such and um what happens what would happen after that gymnastics such training and because like i want to continue the flashbacks but i just don't i want i don't want it to be just a single portion you know so it's like maybe i don't know what more could happen like because this would probably if this happened, this would be like maybe 10 minutes. And then including the recap, maybe like 15 minute, minutes. And then including the opening itself, that's like 30 minutes. And so I would need like, I mean, to be like um, the, like the usual, you know, like Batman, I guess not average time, but like average movie length is like, I think two hours. So it's like, I need another 90 minutes, but like what in the world could I possibly do for another 90 minutes? Um, Because I gotta think, it's like two hours, like, okay, that's that's 120 minutes divided by five, that's, what is that? That's uh, 20? No, that's not 20, that's 24. Okay, so, oh, so I guess actually I've already surpassed my exposition stage, so I guess that's something? Huh. Oh, 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 ah, ah, ha, 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 okay, I actually know, okay, so then as we train, then we also do, then after continuing with that recap, then we also do a recap of Birds of Prey, and then we see what happened just before the opening of Batman Triumphant, okay, now I'm getting back on track, okay, so this is what's gonna happen, so we see the birds breaking, so, like, Oracle is in the, um, computer room, like, the, the tech room, like, coordinating all the members, so it's, like, most of the main characters who are there, like, Shamar Moore's character, who I forgot the name of, and then, like, Helena Kyle, and then, uh, the, um, Black Canary's daughter, uh, uh, Red, Redmond Lance, so it's, like, or I'll just call it Red, so Helena Red and then Shamar, they're, uh, all together, uh, trying to, um, uh, do a, like, a bust, kind of, on, um, anarchy and like his um gang of i guess anarchists but like they're not really called that i don't think they're called that but um yeah so like we see them and then we like we see we see them like uh each of them like in uh separate shots they're like sneaking one in one way in another so it's like Helena probably is, like, coming from above, like, from the roof, so, like, she's attacking a few, like, you know, bodyguards, and then, um, Redman, Redman, that's funny, same, same, Red is, uh, probably going from, like, the front, and, like, I don't know, maybe, like, uh, 
she's trying I know it would be the best way. Maybe she's trying to like uh, I guess um distract distract the bodyguards with like her beauty while like Shamar Moore's character goes from behind and attacks them and then they go through the front and then probably they like all meet up at maybe like a some kind of like catwalk because it could be like also like a factory that they meet up in because like it's probably kind of big and it would be actually better for like I guess if there was like a fight to break out like you know much more room much more space much more like obstacles you know to uh um what would you call like uh engage with so um yeah let's do that so let's have this is so funny I feel like I'm putting like a math puzzle together or like I'm doing like a like a photoshop like you almost have to imagine me like photoshopping like the faces of characters and putting them in like on them like backgrounds or like um almost slideshow like you know like files or whatnot anyways so yeah so let's like have the three go like uh go uh through a catwalk that's like just over uh just above um the center of the room where Anarchy and his uh, gang are meeting. And, like, Anarchy, if nobody knows or remembers the character's designer look, um, he basically is, uh, at least the, the, char- the, the, the look that I had envisioned, he's basically a guy with um, this, like, kind of a hat, almost similar... <sighs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say to a pilgrims. That's kind of like a weird narrow narrow, uh, like fedora, and it's all red. And then like everything else he has on is red. Like he wears red drapes, red robes, and whatnot. The only thing that's not red is his mask, which is golden, which kind of almost gives him like a statue like vibe, or like maybe even like a um I don't even know what you would call those like those uh masquerade classical masquerade masks probably like that yeah so anyways he's wearing that and like he's talking with like um like those like uh voice changers i don't know if it would be really deep or really high probably really deep because like if you talked really high it probably wouldn't be serious like we're gonna take over gotham's water supply and then we're gonna like that would sound really ridiculous if you sound like a chipmunk i would probably burst out laughing but um um yeah, I probably would talk low, um, and then we, uh, what, what would happen after that, so, that, and, uh, ha, 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 if it was, like, an old factory, probably some stuff would be damaged, so it's, like, let's say, like, Dinah, or like Redmond, Red, stepped on like a panel, like a floor panel, and it was flimsy that it broke, like, and made a noise, causing everyone to be startled, and then like, Anarchy and his gang look up to see the, you know, the three of them, and then they start like a whole shootout and fighting, and it's like, as everyone tries to escape from one another, they go off in their separate directions, so like, uh, uh, Dinah goes to uh, fight off Anarchy, and then, um, Oh, I know, Dinah goes to fight off Anarchy because probably she, she wants to kill him. I probably would add this also, but, like, not, like, subtly, but probably, like, as she goes after him, uh, she probably says a line, like, you killed my mother. So it's, like, she goes after him for vendetta. So, like, Anarchy and Dinah, or Redman, whatever you want to call her, Black Canary's daughter, 
And then with Helena and Shamar Moore's character, they're going after anarchist henchmen. So, like, they all start fighting one another, and then boom, boom, bow, bow, boom. And then, you know, whole shebang. And um, then after that, what could happen? Um, Maybe this, okay, this is kind of clever, because... I don't want to reveal that why why this would be clever, but um, Dinah is uh, like chasing after uh, Anarchy, who is now on the roof of the building, and as she's uh, conf- trying to confront Anarchy, she uh, stabs at him, but it's revealed to be actually a post, it's like like you know like you know like there was like kind of not like crosses, but like there was like wooden posts. And it's just his, like, drape and his mask and his hat aren't. And so that means that basically that uh, anarchy himself is uncovered. So, like, his identity could be revealed, but it isn't because um, from, like, an extreme long shot, we see that, uh, we see Helena and Shamar Moore's character exiting the building. And we see uh, Batgirl, <laughs> man, I'm so tired. We see Dinah. And uh, a blurred kind of like blurred kind of figure fighting each other, and then eventually, uh, uh, Diana gets stabbed, and she's then thrown off the roof, and like not thrown actually, she's thrown, and then starts rolling down the roof, tumbling, 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 and then she falls off the roof and dies, um, and uh, and then she like she dies, and then. Helena goes rushing, and she starts crying, and she starts, like, uh, relieving, like, the trauma of losing another one, another close loved one of hers, and so this is the point when we, when this is the part when we realize that who the, the death that Helena was specifically mentioning, that she was upset about, like, you know, that it was not her fault, was uh, Dinah, because she really couldn't do anything about it, because Dinah was, had her own agenda, she was going after anarchy for what she what he did to or crap i already revealed it's he i mean it is a he in the comic so it's like not a big thing but like i don't know it would have been cool to say they but i mean i couldn't say they because like not plural it's like because like i don't think anarchy has ever been a woman like i can't i can't remember if he's ever been a woman in the comics i know I know from, like, the few comics that I read, I remember this one comic I read, which really intrigued me, was Shadow of the Bat. I think it was Volume 2. Uh, it was revealed, I think, that he... Um, I think that he witnessed... I'm not sure if it's the war, but, like, I think that they may have referenced the Yugoslavian wars and that, like, he was, like... He witnessed it, and I think he was, like... And, like, this is the... I don't know why this is the more like, popular choice, but, like, in, like, media. But I think he said he was, like, from Kosovo. So, like, he witnessed it and was, like, so traumatized that he just eventually became anarchy to kind of, like, almost be the ironic message or, like, I guess, uh, symbol of, like military propaganda, I'm not sure if it's military propaganda, it's like, basically, basically, uh, war created him, and so, ergo, he creates war, because it's like, he finds it pointless, but at the same time, 
he 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 himself is also pointless like his message his moral is his like everything but anyways so like this anarchy is completely different anyway so yes um so anarchy is faced um by Dinah, Dinah gets killed, and then I would say probably, I guess now we would have to, now we have to switch back to the, like, not like the present day, but like now the future, so like, um, I'm thinking. <laughs> I want there too much to be too much dead time or dead air. But uh, I'm thinking now. If we saw that, she cries, she wails, and then oh, I know. Okay, and then we transfer back. So we maybe we blur back or cut back. I don't know. We transfer back to the future, and like Oracle says something like, "Uh, well, you know my story, but uh, uh, who?" Uh, no, I mean, not she says who, but it's like, where my, my story? I hope, um, I hope everyone else is doing a lot better than uh, we are. And then, like, we transfer now to, um, to Chris, Chris, uh, O'Donnell, but since he's much older now, I mean, it looks, it looks almost the, the same as it was back when he played Robin originally, but like, I probably either have him, I probably do an effect like where he's the age, I probably like de age him. Or have an actor replace him, and then to portray this Robin. So this is, I think this would probably be. I don't know if this, I would consider this like my rising action scene, like my rising action stage. Probably, maybe I would like leave it as like the cliffhanger for this episode as like the rising action. But uh, yeah, I'd probably leave it as my rising action stage. So the rising action stage uh, begins, and like my episode ends with uh, the reveal of Dick Grayson and how he got to where he was. So what happened between 2004 to 2024 and like where he's been for the past 20 years and what exactly he's been through, what has happened and uh, what exactly led him to become uh, an all new vigilante, an all new um, uh, watcher, an all new uh, symbol in... um, for Gotham, but, uh, anyways, yes, so, uh, hope, I wasn't too confusing, hope you enjoyed my, um, what is this, eighth episode, I said, wow, eighth episode, I can't believe it's my eighth, feels longer than that, and at the same time, shorter, but, uh, yeah, uh, hope you guys enjoyed my episode, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please, guys, do feel free to address them, I really, really, actually, uh, would love debates, because, I mean, I don't love arguing with pe- people, but I do love knowing that, like, they hear me and they want to be heard with any ideas or similar things they might have to say about any shows or uh, whatnot. But, um, yeah, so uh, tune in next time for my, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but ninth episode, uh, which I'm not sure when I may be airing that, maybe two weeks, maybe even a week, I'm not sure, but we'll see. Uh, where we'll be going through the rising action stage of Batman Triumphant. Till next time, and ciao.